This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a good shot. the stresses and the strains of Swindon Town in the 23-24 season. So why give you a weekend off when we can talk about football over two episodes, you lucky, lucky thing? Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. No, 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 that, no that's all right. Um, I don't know whether it will be uh, beneficial, some comfort to the listeners or just therapy for me, but um, any of those, any of those is probably welcome. <laughs> I think so. So two episodes. The first one will be very much about commentary what you do what you're known for and then on monday we'll release a my 11 where we get to talk about swindon town of old something that both of us like to do in many ways prefer to do but that's for another episode so commentary 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 how does a guy like you end up in a racket like this um okay i'll try and i'll try and keep this potted um sports nut when i was a kid i uh, one of the the sort of early memories I have uh, tend to be like sport on TV in different guises, whether it's um, watching it with my dad. I can remember watching Nottingham Forest in the European Cup final. I think it must have been the one against Hamburg when we were on holiday in Spain and everyone bar us in the entire room wanted uh, Hamburg to win. So we weren't, we weren't, we weren't particularly popular. Um, <laughs> 
so so kind of things like that um i ended up uh going as a student to exeter uh on the freshers thing i was kind of blundering around um looking for interesting societies joined student radio called me um did the sport on there had a great time doing that with some um incredibly talented people above me um i don't i don't know if i can throw some names at you um russell fuller who's been like the bbc's tennis correspondent for ages and presented on um, Radio 5, who's like a, a year above me. John Kay of um, kind of BBC Western, BBC Breakfast fame was a couple of years um, above me. James Pierce, who worked for as a kind of sports correspondent for the BBC. So um, it was a remarkably talented group of people above me and of which I am sure I benefited from um, considerably to to kind of flail my, flail my way to... To where I am. So I did that, um, left university, didn't quite know what I wanted to do, um, ended up after a couple of years deciding that yeah, I really did want to kind of do radio. And the, the usual way in at that point would be is a sort of postgraduate journalism course. Um, I did one at Falmouth that has quite a, that, that certainly had quite a good reputation at the time. Um, but that, that was more about getting in as a, a kind of news person. But I guess I had half an eye on kind of tiptoeing my way uh, to sport and believe it or not Alistair Durden of Points West was on that so if you haven't figured out how small a world you know sports journalism is already um I probably told you in about 20 seconds um so so yeah so um I kind of started started like working for what is sort of my my kind of local BBC for Surrey and Sussex essentially um at the time mainly doing news they needed somebody to do woking um, and I was like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go and do that when they're in the na- when they're going in the national league, and then it kind of um, it kind of progressed. It kind of progressed from there. Do you, do you want me to go all the way to Swindon, or, or shall oh, I stop? Absolutely, there? I do. I'm, I'm I'm listening to this. This is one of these great times where I just sit and listen, and I'm enjoying every <laughs> second. So keep going. Um, okay, so after a year of doing Woking, uh, the big sort of um, station, the big club for station, the only league club at the time, because all the shot weren't uh, back in the league then, was Brighton. Um, Brighton were knocking around in uh, what's our division at the moment. They'd come through the worst of, um, you know, the Goldstone ground being sold and all that. And they'd move, they'd just moved back to with Dean. And the guy who'd sort of done them for the first season when the BBC had got the rights back as a, um, a glorious eccentric called John Lees. He's a, a brilliant man who should have been a race walker for Britain at the Olympics and was not given the right to do so in Montreal for some reason when it was like the only the only Olympics where they didn't have race walking. So, um, but uh, essentially they they had a year of him doing it. Um, he was uh, he was of uh, he was of a certain vintage, and they decided after a year they wanted someone else. And um, if they'd had any sense, they would have found someone from outside with much more experience. Um, but. Because I'd occasionally like done bits of woking commentary when Brighton weren't playing and stuff. They threw me in, and I did that for about whew, um, nine or ten years. So I kind of went up with them from League Two to the Championship for a bit. So Mickey Adams was there, Peter Taylor, Mark McGee. Uh, uh, yeah, mo- most managers I've got on with Mark McGee, not quite, not in a nasty falling out way, but. Um, if you, as you can imagine, kind of a middle class uh, educated me versus um, fairly uh, rough, rough and tough Glaswegian. I don't think was a cultural match made in heaven. Um, <laughs> so I uh, did that for quite a long time. I kind of got the, edit, uh, the sort of sports editor there. I didn't quite see eye to eye with because I was a bit like stupid and headstrong at the start. Because aren't we all? 
Um, so eventually I kind of left there. I ended up doing uh, Bournemouth for a bit. Um, um, lovely Adam Blackmore at Radio Solent gave me a chance to do them. And again, um, I started with them in League Two and ended up leaving them when they were in the Championship. Um, so you can guess you can guess how I'm hoping my Swindon career goes at this point. Um, and then when Bournemouth got into the Championship, they changed the way they covered it around a bit, so they didn't need me. Um, that was all very amicable, I should point out. And then just at that time, I think it must have been when... Um, I think it was when Chris Wise has gone. Um, they suddenly needed someone to do Swindon, and I was kind of deemed sort of experienced enough, and Sean got in touch, and um, I've broadly survived till this point, I guess. What's Sean Hodgetts like? <laughs> because because he is this figure that my generation is the Sean Hodgetts generation, so the one before me is the Vic Morgan generation, I would say. But Sean Hodgetts is the one that I remember when I was growing up. And he's always there. But I don't think I've ever heard him talk in any capacity beyond Swindon Town. No, no. I, I, I think Sean, Sean is as he sounds, I think. Um, which which you'd, kind of, you'd kind of expect, really. He just has a... He has a insatiable enthusiasm after all these years for all things Swindon, really. He... Um, he still wants to. He still wants to know everything that, that's that's going on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, I share that passion anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm taking that, if I'm taking that term very literal, <laughs> literal, I, I probably want to avoid it. So let's let's go back then to the early days when you were sport crazy. I mean, up until twenty years ago, I think things like grandstand and just accessibility of live sport was so much more varied within the the small amount of channels that we had who were the influences who the ones that you listened to and they just they just inspired you to the point that you wanted to go down this road yeah let's have a thing um like i say i my first sporting attachment was probably to horse racing i don't quite know why which has waned and um so peter o'sullivan at the time i thought he sort of brought a I kind of magic magic to any race, really. I suppose what's kind of, if I look back, I think it's kind of hopefully sort of rubbed off on me subconsciously is that kind of change of speed and tempo, you know, when the race, you know, when the race is coming towards the climax, it really sort of moves faster and faster. And yet when yes. they're, when they're, you know, um, when they're coming to the fourth, you know, a couple of fences before beaches, you're at a more measured tone as, you know, Red Rum takes the lead and, <laughs> and so on. So um, I think there's out there, I think, I think I'm instinctively more a Barry Davis than a John Motson person. Preach. Um, well, quite, quite. This needs, you know, this uh, this is a correction that that needs, you know. Um, I do feel Barry should have um, Barry should have got the better of that one. Barry Davis and Peter Brackley for me. Mm, no, yeah, no, but no, Peter Peter Brackley was a big, um, big Brighton person. So, so yeah. So I think I think those those are probably the two that kind of um, spring to mind, but. Lots of the kind of commentate, commentators of that era, I don't know whether it's like regardless of their ability or not. I don't, I don't think so. In those cases, they they did they did have a slightly sort of mythical status of their own, like Bill McLaren in rugby again because of the the sort of sonorous voice and and things like that. Yeah, the poor and pace. <laughs> ex, ex, exactly. So um, so I there's just you know I suppose that whole sort of that kind of era and the sort of um, crossover between Frank Boff and Des Lynham doing grandstand and, and kind of things, thing, things like that. They, you know, they, they were it essentially. You, you had kind of BBC, you had ITV, 
And um, you did, at, that, uh, at that innocent point in our lives, you didn't have anything else. No. And I think it's a really good point about horse racing. And I think a, a, a good commentary is why it makes you look up from whatever you're doing. You know, when, when that pace is increasing in horse racing, that instinctively makes you look to see what's happening. I have no interest in horse racing, never did. But when when you can hear it on in the background, you kind of look up. Were there any football events that made you go, this guy is just doing the Lord's work right now? Um oh that's that's a good that's a good question. Um kind of standout football moments. That that's quite that's quite hard to remember actually. Um maybe maybe because there's not so much live football. I think um having, you know, gone I'm more Davis than Motson, I think something that does stick with me is um it's France in the European Championships. And I can't quite remember who they're playing. And it's got that lovely sort of feel where it's, you know, it's like virtually on the end of the telephone and it's kind of platiny. And I think Tegan and Stoppy Run, it goes, it goes something like that order. And it, it's not, it's not sort of beautiful wordsmithery, which I, I do kind of like, um, but it, it's sort of something like Tegan and platiny Stoppy Run goal. And it's just, but it, it's, it just, it just kind of captured the raw sort of emotion and, and joy of it all. And that, I think, yeah, I think that's one that sort of stuck with me that I think I can rem- I can remember at the time. On a, on a different level, you can sort of remember the the beautiful eccentricity of the Norwegian commentator when Norway <laughs> beat England. Yeah. Not, not that I necessarily aspire to that, but again, I think I think that's some um, something that sort of stuck with me. Maggie Thatcher, can you hear me? All that, Dillard <laughs> Nelson, Eva Brooke. Uh, <laughs> yes, I haven't. I haven't tried that on Marcus Fjortoft yet. Maybe I should. Maybe you should. I, I, for me, it, it's not necessarily about the. They think it's all over. It is now. Moments. It's just like, for example, Brian Moore could just go Hughes brilliantly, and it was like, oh yes. And I, I think from, and I don't want to go like old football person because I think commentators do an absolutely incredible job, and in like a faster paced environment that we see now, even more incredible. And you've got to get it right because everyone's a critic and everyone's going to go and and absolutely blast you if you make that one little mistake. But the way they used to say nothing, and you just need to go to Swindon winning the playoffs in 93, how every time there's a goal, there's not an obsession to say something. It's just let the noise, let the atmosphere do the talking and then come in and talk about the goal. And and that that's what I really loved about commentary back in the day. Yeah, no, I th- I think the more because you know I've I've obviously watched that a number of times, and the more the more I do listen listen back to that, that is ex- one that's exactly different to notice. But two, I do I do think Alan Parry, bless him, did a brilliant job on that day. I think that you know I think when you listen back to that that commentary, and it's in the intro, isn't it, with the the Sean Taylor goal? Um, I think yeah, yeah, no that. That does have a, a beautiful balance, as you say, between saying something original and interesting about the goals. Um, you know, you know the the one about you know Swindon could hold a three 0 lead once upon a time, although maybe not so much even in that season. But um, but but yeah, that that works very well. And there is um, there is an evolution where it is talking more or less silence. I'm, I'm getting diverted again, but I can remember editing something about the or the radio commentary of the 
1983 FA Cup final when sort of being involved with Brighton because, you know, until recently that was very much their finest hour. And even on radio back then, they'd describe the goal and then they would, they'd be silent for five or six seconds and you'd just hear the crowd. And that now feels like an absolute eternity <laughs> to be silent. But that, that sort of stylistic change is, is quite interesting to notice, I think. I think so. He who hesitates pays the price, Alan Parry. Yes, please. We're recording a day after an absolutely incredible conclusion to a Swindon game, a, a victory over <laughs> over Accrington Stanley, for which the whole game, yourself and Rob Hartley, were very consistent about Accrington being a threat, even at 4-0. And I was just sat there watching the game going, what are these two on about? <laughs> and then, lo and behold, the 90th minute onwards takes place. And it, it, and it, it kind of... was. was <laughs> I guess this is like a, a very long rambling thing of, of talking about your process. And mm. I, I kind of want to go through the whole day Okay. Of, of your prep, I mean, obviously it takes more than a day. You, you, we, we always get little snippets from in in the mainstream with Clive Tildesley and and other other national international commentators of how they do their prep. Let's talk about the Andrew Hawes method. Okay. Um, well, let's see. Um, essentially, for for like each to start with, for each sort of of the League Two teams, I've um, I've got a little document that has their kind of lineups who played who subbed who scored um for all for all the games so um kind of filling that in after every round of matches kind of keeps me nicely across what's going on in a division i think so that's so that's quite that's quite useful so and it just it make it just makes it a lot easier for me to think you know extra inform or swindon are going to accrington with accrington in quite good form not good form somewhere in between so um so we've got that i've got a um, I kind of again sort of word docu- word documents. I kind of keep the keep the sort of little player biographies I make for each um, for each sort of player for each team. So I've got you know I've got those going back a few years. So um, sadly I don't keep to have updating the League Two ones as much as I would like. It's a nice new batch of fresh League One material. Um, I try and. Um, Mostly, I'll be honest, that largely involves looking at their Wikipedia pages, but occasionally they will sort of divert you to interesting articles about the players. So I, I kind of quite enjoy things like, um, you know, maybe something like if players have brothers who've played or occasionally if like non-league players have had interesting jobs beforehand before they've gone into the league. So it's trying to trying to bring a bit of sort of um, a bit a bit of sort of human interest to in them as well, rather than purely be kind of. Um, focused on them as human stat generating machines, um, I suppose. I've got, um, I've kind of got, I've got a similar sort of list of like Swindon profiles, but essentially, I kind of, I kind of know who the players are. But that just, that just sort of keeps me in touch with overall numbers of appearances, overall number of goals. Um, so that, so when I'm kind of, um, when I'm kind of there, I've got. I've got my Swindon biographies. I've got my like little Swindon grid of you know the stats and how many goals there are. Um, same for the opposition, and I've, um, which is very useful for the Aldershot game. Um, <laughs> I've kind of, um, I've I've tried to sort of keep a note of a few records like who 
who was the last player to score four goals or five goals and things and things like that. Because um, just early up, um, early on, I can remember having a complete mental blank about James Collins scoring four goals. We don't want that to happen again. No, we don't. No, we don't. I was disappointed for Tommy Lee. You didn't mention the fact that he famously broke wind during an interview that went viral. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you you know, so some things are more BBC appropriate than others. <laughs> uh, still convinced that that was a thing, but yeah, that that was really interesting. So you don't have a permanent co-commentator. So you, at the moment, you have like Rob Hartley, you have Phil Smith, you have Marcus Fjertoff, you have Jonathan Smith come in. You got Paul Bowden, of course. Lots of others on rotation. Do you have to take into consideration their contribution before you 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 prepare? Because you're like, well, you know, Rob is great at this, Marcus is great at this, Phil is great at this, but I'll need to rein them in or 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 make sure that I've got X Y Z ready because sometimes I've got to do a bit more leg work. How does it work? Um, that, that's that's a good question. I think I think to a point, but not too much. Um, I th- I think I sort of kind of know how to work with their their sort of characteristics uh, a little bit. It's like Mar- um, Marcus quite like sort of, you know, digging out some of the some of the stats and and looking at that a bit more a bit more closely. And Phil is kind of more turn up on the day and give his opinion on on what he sees. So I think I adapt to that a bit more kind of during the game, perhaps with the things that I might ask them or I might get them to to kind of comment on or, or just sort of responding to to what they're saying but i i guess whoever it is my my kind of i've got my sort of core prep there which is is broadly the same so i'm reasonably statistically covered but i'm not i'm not super sort of um rolling in stats so but i've got sort of useful sequences and things like that and and then the the game the game is a bit more sort of you know it's just it's just kind of how it unfolds so so you do you do kind of um take it take into account who the co-commentator is a bit but um my method is sort of my method and then and then as i say how I, how i kind of work with them on on the day is probably what what varies in terms of you know what i might ask them during the game and, and things like that when when anthony grant started singing during <laughs> comms what was going through your head at that point um i'm i think i was kind of like i knew i, I knew i'd signed up to for something that might go into some interesting places so i was like if that if that's what you want to do for a bit, that's 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 fine. As long as you don't do it while someone's scoring, yeah. But, but um, I I suppose that I suppose the the thing you want is for the the co commentator to feel um, to sort of feel comfortable and to to have their voice kind of I suppose whatever it is really like like I say Phil you know um, I, I feel like for example Phil Smith's got a lot more confident and comfortable in in saying what his opinion of a game is and what and what should be happening so that's good so that's how that's how he's sort of um his kind of voice has come along if you see what I mean Mar- um you know Marcus is good at is sort of good at the tactical stuff and I find he's sort of very good at giving an insight into to how players think during games and and stuff like that and Paul but Paul Bowden can kind of do a bit of everything and he's got all that he's got all that sort of coaching knowledge and understanding of working with young players and and things like that. So I guess you try and exploit their, you try and make sure that their their strengths, whatever, are come to the fore. And the and the, essentially they're, you know, they are kind of doing this as 
um, you know, this, this is sort of part, you know, this is kind of part time for them. It's something they enjoy doing. Um, it's not, you know, it's not their their central focus in life. So you want them to turn up, be relaxed, be able to be themselves, and and kind of have a good time doing it. Then. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. And Swindon is a team who likes to keep possession of the ball. A man down, not ideal. Aiden breaking with some real pace down the right-hand side. Teasing ball is the ball. The goalkeeper's dropped it. And McCurdy is there to follow up. And that should be Swindon's start. with four minutes to go. How, how much pressure do you feel when you're on comms? Do you, do you feel like thousands of people are listening to you in that moment? Um, I think that I think that's a slight road to um, madness if you think if you think that thousands of people are listening. So um, I try not to sort of feel I, you know, there will there tends to still be not not all not always there tends to still be some nerves beforehand, which probably that perhaps more reflects on how I think I've been over over the past few games. If I feel like I've had a ropey past few games, I'll be a bit kind of um, on edge. If if it's kind of going well, I'll be a bit more relaxed. So I'm um, kind of stories I stories I've told before. So um, apologies. Um, and I think when I was, you know, when I was young, egotistical and foolish and thought I knew it all, having done some student radio, I I think the the promise I sort of made that if I if I got a kind of decent job like this, I'd always um I'd always make sure that I kind of put the best of it and and kind of gave it all and th- I don't want people to feel shortchanged. I guess is the very short answer that you can hopefully edit into some sort, of, in some sort of sense. So I guess I guess I put that pressure on myself, and probably because Swindon are my team, um, I feel that slightly more uh, to get it right. Um, not that um, I can I can promise anyone who who heard me do Brighton or Bournemouth, um, I was ab- you know I was absolutely motivated and committed to to do them as as good a job as possible because. Um, Brighton have a ser- but even at that point, Brighton have a serious, serious fan base. So you know that it, oh, it wasn't you know it wasn't like 
being given Macclesfield, if you like, where there's a there's a small, willing and loyal fan base who you'd who you'd respect every bit as much, but you kind of you kind of knew there was a proper sort of bulk constituency who would be listening and who you know and who would take Brighton very seriously. And they would they would even then, you know, they would travel in very decent numbers to um to any game. And and Bournemouth are on a, a great a great role as well. And, you know, I know they get kind of a certain kind of um sort of whipping boys as you know uh, the kind of small team that's got into the Premier League off the, the back of a lot of Russian money which is true to some extent but you'd even when they were struggling you still get sort of five or five or six thousand there and they'd make a decent racket at home and and you've got a you you've got a sense of how much it it mattered as well so I'm I'm kind of conscious that that football really matters to people I suppose and that you know they they want it covered in to the to the best you can do definitely that's a really good answer. In terms of your career, what are the, what are the proudest moments? What are the games that stand out and and the work that you did that made you go, yeah, this is why I did this. Oh, that's oh, blimey, that's a good question. Um, I'm not I'm not sure entirely. There are, I think there are occasional bits where I listen back and think, yep, actually that I got that right or that. You know, on on playback that lasts the tests of time, I suppose, which is the the most the most important thing. Um, I think the day, um, just for example, the day Bournemouth got the day Bournemouth got out of League Two, they went to Burton and won, and it just sort of fell right. The goals sound the goals sounded good. They sound they gave a good indication of what happened, and they sort of had that context and the energy, the fact that Bournemouth are going up. So um, you kind of think about that's. That's good. Um, I, as fun and stuff, I don't, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think I'm always, always kind of, always feel like I'm close, but never quite, never quite there. Sometimes it's like the, in a way, the fi- in a way, some of the stuff I did for the five five, I think is really good, but some of it, some of it's sort of complete chaos where I've fallen apart a bit, and yet that kind of works. So I think, I think when. Yeah, you know, I think when Shea Adams scores for Sheffield United, I can't remember whether that makes it five four or five five. It's the five five, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's like something. There's something like there's one goal where I'm not entirely sure who scored, where it's pinballed around the box twice and Sheffield United scored. And then for that, I think I'm something like, of course he's scored. And, and you know, it doesn't it doesn't really make in some <laughs> ways that it it doesn't make sense, and yet and yet it does. So, um, you know, I just, I'm not I'm not sure I really, I'm not sure I really sit around and have a kind of a sort of inventory of things I'd inventory of things I'd open and say yes here here's my collection of gems come and have a look at it as as it were um I think I think it's much more about trying to do a kind of consistently good good job each week and um I think hopefully the hopefully the main thing I've learned is you know sometimes you're great um, or sometimes you, well, you know, whether I'm great or not. Sometimes I'll rephrase that. Sometimes you kind of feel great about it. You've you've got everyone picked out to the point where they could take the shirt numbers off their backs and you'd be fine. You'd still be able to say who's doing what for either team, and it all sort of flows. And there's there's no sort of stumbles. There's no kind of obvious obvious mistakes. And so you know, sometimes those days happen, and you enjoy those. And some sometimes you're not quite with it, and you're sort of fiddling your way through a bit and just squinting into the distance in the corner flag and it's dark and you can't <laughs> and you know and they're facing away from you. you can't be quite sure who it is and you sort of you kind of muddle your way through um so hopefully 
and you know this will be very much up to the listeners to agree with this. If I'm not quite on it, it's still good enough to be a decent product. That I think that's the slightly underrated skill in life to on your off days still be able to produce something that works. Not that's brilliant, not that's your best work, but still something that um, you know, uh kind of ticks the boxes and, and leaves everyone happy when you're done. Yeah. I, I even think you had a Peter O'Sullivan moment this week for the Acton Stanley game. And it was it was for what should have been 4-4 when Mahoney had made his mistake, your reaction to that and describing what happens next in a position which is not ideal for the Accrington Stanley uh, commentary box, I suppose. And because I was doing my prep at that point, getting ready to, to record a podcast and just that, oh, what's Mahoney done here? Or what's yeah, he doing oh, here? Yes. And it was straight up and the pace of it was just like, and part of the reason that in the pod, I'm, like, I'm, I'm still shaking is because of the way you described it was so like, oh my goodness, what is going to happen here? And then it didn't happen. You're like, and then the corner that followed should have been a goal as well. It just absolutely breathless stuff. And it, it, it made it so, so exciting and it shouldn't have been exciting. It should have been, it should have been. It should have been a, it should have been nine delightfully <laughs> tedious minutes. Really. Exactly, uh, well, exactly. well, you know, where we're, where we're talking about, um, you know, well, Sonny Hart, Sonny Hart's come on. He's only 17. Isn't that nice? He's getting a few minutes here to trot through and all the, and all, and all the rest of it. But no, but no, the, the, the kind of angle he was, I, I may use this to go off on a slight tangent, if you'll forgive me. Um, it's you know we're kind of quite low down level with the edge of the pelter, but you could but you could see immediately Mahoney's not going to get back. The guy's essentially bearing down on goal, and he's only got to beat Blake Tracy on the line, and he can't and he can't do it. And but as soon as soon as Mahoney's kind of gone and he's out of it, you can se- you can sense that disaster ought to be imminent, and there and therefore given the whole the whole kind of nature of it that. Um, you know that that's the kind of situation where it it should be up at up at ten, I suppose. Um, I I did want to kind of sort of say at this point a little a little bit. I'm and now I'm I'm probably going to sound like a football manager who's uh, uh, who says in an interview these, these are not excuses; these are facts. So um, indulge 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 me for a moment. But if if you're watching on on iFollow, we're not always in the same position the camera is. Um, we might, especially for the smaller grounds, quite often we're quite low down. So at sort of um, kind of at Colchester, uh, Accrington at Forest Green, we're much more sort of towards um, one end. Essentially for commentary, the higher up you are, the easier it is to see everything. Course, like yeah. that, as that sort of area you're at late now. And I don't have the, the iFollow feed in front of me. So so we, we get one hit at figuring out what's gone on. Um, essentially, so sometimes if you're wondering what on earth we're blathering about when iFollow is showing the replay, absolutely crisp, in absolutely crystal clear fashion, that um, uh, <laughs> that is why. You you are kind of famous within within the Swindon world for being non-partisan. Of course, you you support Swindon, but we we see examples, especially heightened during the lockdown, where we were all tuning in to I follow on a more regular basis of how other clubs or how other BBC providers and commentators do it. And it is in a very partisan way. And we've had good laugh recently listening to the sound bites of, of other clubs. 
is that a conscious decision that you made to say it how you see it as opposed to my audience is predominantly this club so let's lean into that a little bit or considerably depending on which team we're talking about yeah um i i suppose what i try and hit is i'm i think the the point of you know part of the point of local radio is to, is to, to be local um so I would say I'm Swindon centric, hopefully without being Swindon biased. So if I'm, you know, if I'm looking at a a goal for whoever Swindon are playing, just for, you know, I'm we're probably looking at that more from defensively. Why did that go wrong for Swindon? Other than like, you know, what a great what a great finish or whatever. Though though you know, if I'm the recent one for Stockport when Odin Bailey sticks it in the top corner, you're just like. Yeah, that's fine. You know, great, great. Well, well, well played, well yeah. played, sir. And I, th- I think, I think, um, for example, the, the the guys who did it for Accrington last night for for Radio Lancashire, they, um, I noticed they got a lot of praise, and I've I've heard some of them, and they're pretty good. They're they're pretty good. I, I think it's a guy called Dan Jewell and Brett Allmord was with them last night, and the Khan's goal, for example, I've listened back to their version, and they're like, yeah, great goal, you know. So, so I, th- I think I just made the decision ultim- ultimately that. To kind of the hope that people need to sort of value the honesty of it. If it's if I'm saying it's good, it's good. It's not it's not because we're you know waving our our rattles and our flags and scarves. So, and if I'm if I'm saying it's bad, um, that's because hopefully it is actually bad rather than there's a frustrated fan in me. And if I'm saying the referee's not great, it's because I just. And I try and avoid that because they're they're the easiest, you know, the easiest targets in Christendom. Um, although I did have a bit of a go last night, um, <laughs> but it's it, it's because you know I don't I don't think that I don't think the referee is doing a a particularly good job. So I think I think the most the most important thing I think is for the listeners to understand that I am I am doing my best to give an honest interpretation of it as I as I see it from but from kind of the point of view of. How well are Swindon doing? What does Swindon need to do? And um, frequently, why can't they defend? That sort of thing. <laughs> a couple of final questions from elsewhere. Ad-libbing. How, how many of those zingers are off the cuff and how many are written down? Um, essentially, essentially, very little is um, written down. The one, Ooh, well done. The one thing you will have ready is for me anyway um uh the the kind of the sort of preamble when the teams walk out will be well essentially i it'll sort of may not be written but i'll have the little sort of bullet points in my head that i'll I'll do for that um i would say people who write lines for goals generically should probably be um taken outside and given them a minimum of 10 lashes uh, maybe fifteen, um, because the I think the whole the point is to try and capture the emotion of the thing as it happens. I would say, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not I'm not sure everyone necessarily agrees. And for when it gets played back, for you to be able to dip back into the the kind of emotion of that, and almost almost by the very de- very definition, having a line written for a player scoring is not particularly likely to do that. Um, where the one thing I, I will sort of have prepped, but not not the words for it, may be sort of statistical landmarks. So when Char- you know when Charlie Austin was coming up to 50 goals, you're aware of that. When it's his 50th goal, it turned out to be the penalty against Salford. You want to say it's his 50th goal. But 
Um, it's probably going to sound very different in the context of if Swindon are going three 0 up, or if he's you know scored a header with a couple of a couple of minutes to go. But I think I you know I don't I don't think writing things works. I I feel like I can kind of sniff it out a bit when I hear it, and you can hear it from a mile away when you hear it. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, the the whole the whole point is to kind of be organic about it, and I think. You know, Peter Drury obviously comes out with some remarkable stuff. But again, I don't, I don't, I think he said, I don't think he has that that kind of plan. It's just he's got a a brilliant sort of range of kind of historical and cultural references that he that he just sort of you know has has locked locked in, locked locked in his brain. And um, I think it, I think it's quite interesting that um, when a lot of of kind of commentary has quite a similar feel to me um for TV. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm I'm saying it it does feel like it's congregated more and more towards a a specific style. The fact that Sky went and got someone who doesn't do that and made and made a fuss of it, I thought I, I thought that was that was quite interesting. I wonder whether that gave the industry more pause for thought for five minutes and maybe it did and perhaps it didn't. Hmm. Yeah. And finally the world wants to know back to co-coms and we'll say your whole career, but I'm sure people want to hear Swindon best and worst. Go on. Oh, blimey. <laughs> um, best. Well, yeah. Um, let's see. Be- best. Well, th- th- this is going to partly sound a cop out, but different, different people do bring different things, um, to the arena. I have, um, I have a great affection for, uh, Sam, because he would, because um, you know, Sam was obviously like doing the, the presenting and doing some of the co-commentary early on, and he was so nice to me and vice versa. And he, um, you sort of go up with him in the car. And he was lovely because um, you know, you wonder whether a an ex footballer would have a bit of a you know successful successful one in Swindon way, whether they're going to have a bit of an ego or not. And he does he doesn't at all. And you can throw you can throw anything at Sam pretty much. You can throw a nineties football reference at him and he'll devour it and probably give you something more back. You can ask him something tactical. You can just have a chat with him. You can kind of you can kind of have a bit of fun with him. You can um with Sam you can kind of tick all all the boxes and I'm not remotely surprised that he's gone on to Sort of do a have a really sort of successful kind of career in the in the whole punditry thing. So um, yeah, so so Sam's uh, the best, the worst, the worst. Oh, this is um, I think I'm not, I'm not sure he was the worst, but I think literally the first game I did was a not very for Swindon was a not very inspiring one nil loss at Shrewsbury, and I was there with Tom Jones, and I think he was fine. But I was I was a bit rusty. I was a bit monotone. I was a bit flat. I'm not I'm not sure we 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 got on we got on fine. But I'm not I'm not sure there was any kind of um, I don't want to use the dreaded B word, but that kind of sort of um, reciprocity between us. If you if you see <laughs> if if you see I mean I just I just don't think I kind of knew him well enough to really sort of make it work. And I I do remember going on to the town end and getting and reading and thinking by god i've got some work to do to convince these people i i can in fact <laughs> yeah, do this yeah. if you ever want a, a sobering moment the town end forum will be the place andrew thank you very much pleasure the 
The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on you Reds! Come on Swindon! And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.